You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I have a special guest for you today, former Redskins quarterback Jason Campbell. He played for Ken Zampezi for a season in Cincinnati. Zampezi is expected to be named the Redskins quarterback's coach. As of this taping, he has not yet been officially announced in that position. Campbell also has experience in the Turner system and understands what it's like to keep having to learn new offenses. And yes, Campbell wonders what would have happened to his career had he not had to change system so often. And then I share a few of my thoughts, including why there's paranoia at Redskins Park. But first, my conversation with Jason Campbell. And now I'm joined by Jason Campbell, former Redskins quarterback. You guys know him. When I covered him, I always one of the true professionals that I've ever covered because he always, same demeanor, answered the questions, gave you the time. We just always treated you well. So, Jason, I appreciate you joining me. And first of all, you were telling me that you have a podcast. What's your podcast and where, where can people find that? Yeah, my podcast, I do one with uh, Believe. Uh, it's B-L-E-A-V.com. And uh, I do one for Auburn. And it's uh, Jason Campbell and Taylor Beth Davis. And uh, we do one once a week. And we were talking about Auburn football and talking about, like, things around the, the SEC and and sometimes we'll tap into the National Football League, and uh, we're usually on there once a week. You can find it on my Instagram as well at jcampbell17. Uh, I usually post it on there uh, every week and uh, and everything. So it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. Uh, it's a great opportunity to stay involved with football and uh, stay on top of things. So you're familiar with with about half the Redskins roster because they're all SEC and Alabama guys. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They're all SEC guys pretty much for the most part. But uh, – you know, I think uh, getting Coach Rivera there, I think it's going to help change some things. Um, you know, he's a guy that's had a winning program in Carolina. He's been to the Super Bowl, and he's still in a modern-day era. And uh, I think uh, with him coming over and, and everything, I think he can bring a different mindset. You know, for one thing I know playing against him before is he's going to have a tough-nosed defense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, he has some guys already there in place that can make some plays for that defense with – with Switz and uh, or Kerrigan and, you know, some guys they're probably going to draft. I don't know if they'll go out to Chase Young or not with the number two pick, but very likely, pretty sure they probably will. But at the same time, though, uh, surrounding Haskins with some stability is the key. Yeah, and that's I'm going to get into that with you because you know that very well. But as far as, like, Rivera and, and Jack Del Rio, too, how many times did you face their defense and what were some of the things that did stand out to you? Yeah, I faced Jack Del Rio uh, when he was in Jacksonville and I was playing for the Raiders. Um, Like I said, he's the type of defense he used to run. You know, he may give up some plays here and there, but the closer you get to the red zone, closer you get to the end zone, his defense tightens. And uh, the thing is, you know, they just don't want you to get the touchdown. 
You know, you may hit a big play in field, but the, the closer you get to scoring range, you know, he, he comes at you a little bit, and he also plays that coverage, which I consider more like a quarters-type coverage. Okay. Uh, you know, where he tried not to get beat deep or anything behind him, try to keep everything in front of him. But it's a style of defense that if you're – if you're an edge rusher or you're a D lineman, you don't really have to worry about dropping back into coverage. I do know that much. Uh, he's the guy that he's going to put your hands in the dirt and he's going to come get, come get you, you know, as a quarterback and, um, and let, let his cover guys cover, but let his, his pass rusher rush. And it's funny because obviously that's been a big thing here with Kerrigan, Montez Sweat. You would have seen Montez Sweat in the SEC. You know, Montez had like seven sacks, but he's also dropping quite a bit. I mean, it makes it hard for those guys to do what they really are good at. Right. Yeah, that's hard. You know, if you're a defensive lineman or you're a defensive end, like you make your money by getting sacks and getting to the quarterback, getting pressures, making them deliver the ball earlier. And that helps your DBs because they don't have to cover as long. But when you drop back in coverage, you actually do the quarterback a favor. You actually do the offensive coordinator a favor because now you allow more time for the guy to, to come off a of first and second progression and find number three and number four. And uh, sometimes – it hurts the DB because you scramble around. You can lose sight of a guy trying to cover him for more than four or five seconds. So, you know, you got guys like Sweats and guys like Kerrigan. Like I said, like, you put their hand in the dirt and you go get the quarterback. And uh, with Kerrigan getting up there a little bit in age, it wouldn't shock me if they did go out the young guy like got Young to match him up with Sweat, you know, for, for years to come and everything. He can learn a lot from Kerrigan while he's still there. So, you know, he's coming into a defense that already has some talent. You know, you saw that this year. I think they can improve a little bit on the back end, you know, with some of the guys getting a little older there. But, right. you know, I think with some young talent there, you know, they have an opportunity to turn some things. And defense usually turns faster than offense when it's a new regime because sure. there's a lot less to learn. And and one of those new parts on offense is a guy that you're familiar with is Ken Zampezi. You spent mm-hmm. a year with him in Cincinnati. The Redskins are going to hire him as their quarterback's coach. What is your take on Ken? Oh, Ken, he's uh, – one thing I say about Ken now, he's very, he's very dialed in. And what I mean by that is he's on top of everything. Like when Haskins touch the field, you know, he's going to be uh, very prepared. You know, he'll know all the blitzes. He'll know all the blitz pickups. He was very good at picking up blitz pickups. And he was the, he was the one that pretty much ran that part of our offense on third downs. Uh, he was in control of um, – of us protecting protecting the quarterback. And he does an outstanding job of that. The year I was with Andy, you know, he wasn't sacked as much as one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league that year. And a lot of it was our preparation during the week. And a, and a lot of credit goes to him because he would bring these blitzes and he and we'll go over how to protect how to protect ourselves against every last one of them. And there there was some that we couldn't protect the ball got to come out. Ball got to come out, and uh, and we were pretty much on top of that stuff. And uh, I think that helped Andy out a lot. And of course, you know, once uh, Hugh Jackson left as coordinator, and you know, Zampes kind of went to the offensive coordinator, things was a little bit different. But uh, you know, it kind of takes some time to fall into that role. But as a quarterback coach, you know, he was outstanding. And you know, it's funny because like they also hired Scott Turner to be their OC. But mm-hmm. for Dwayne, it almost feels like getting that quarterback's coach in Zampezi might be the bigger hire. Right. Getting that quarterback coach in Zampezi is a bigger hire because to me, Scott Turner, you know, I, I had I had an opportunity to play with Nora before and uh, Scott was there as a receiver coach uh, in Cleveland. And um, and Norv, you know, he runs that number system. He likes to stretch the field. It's all about getting deep and putting pressure on on offense. I mean, opposing defenses. And uh, I'm pretty sure Scott has been under his toolish for for all these years. So 
you know, it kind of fits Haskins as a big arm quarterback because I love that offense. Um, right. And uh, if you're a big arm quarterback, this is a style offense you like to play in. So I think Scott's going to bring a lot of that. But anytime there's a young offensive coordinator with not a lot of experience, it helps to bring in a quarterback coach that's been around the game for as, as long as Coach Sam Pisa has been around it with his dad coaching in the league and then with him coaching. You know, it's a great fit for him because now he can help Scott when it comes to those blitz pickups. He can help Scott, you know, in the meeting rooms when it comes to designing some of the plays and how to beat certain coverages and everything. And, uh, and Scott will do a good job himself, but it, it helps to have someone, another voice in there with a lot more experience. And also for, you know, because one of the big things here with Dwayne, early on when Jay Gruden drafted him, early on you just – we'd hear like there were things that he could have done more of, but there are also things that the coaches could have done more of. But it felt like, you know, like, well, they were winning, worried about winning this year and they really weren't worried about maybe doing as much with him early on. How hands-on is Ken and as a teacher just of the quarterbacks? What is his personality like when working with you guys? Yeah, Zen, like, like I said, he's a guy who you're in a meeting room. Uh, you know, he's going to slide in a joke or two there and, and everything. But he's, he's very personable. Uh, you know, he has a great family, his wife and kids. I'm uh, pretty sure I think the, the other one's ungraduated high school now because that was five years ago when I was in Cincinnati. So, you know, he's the type of guy going to go out to eat sometimes. And he'll have a quarterback room together. And, and once you lighten the mood with him, he's going to lighten the mood with you. You know, but he's going to come off at first like very, uh, very detailed and very, like, business-like. In that, in that spot. But once he gets to know you, he starts to open up more. And I think with Haskins being as young as he is, I think it's going to start off more business-like, but then at the same time, it's going to grow into a, a more personable relationship. Like I said, when I first got there, it was all business in the beginning. But then by the time the mid-season got there, he got a feel for me. I got a feel for him. And most of my conversations was with him more than any other coach on the staff because we would talk during practice. Right? If I wasn't getting reps or something, like we'd sit there and we talking football. And then every now and then we'll talk about, you know, things in life. Like, how's things at home? How's things here? How's things there? But, you know, we became very personable, and I, and I actually ended up developing a very good relationship with him. So, you know, it's, it's good to see him in the D.C. area and to get a guy like Haskins very early on in his career. And it's a kind of good thing that Haskins didn't start the year off last year playing early uh, because, you know, he could have got beat up a lot a lot right. sooner with all the chaos that was going on. He could have got, you know, got himself caught in, in a whirlwind that had nothing to do with him. But, you know, sometimes you're as good as your surroundings when it comes to so much stuff going on. And, uh, and you know, for him to have to wait a little bit and then get a, get some get his feet wet a little bit towards the end of the year, I think it's good for him heading to next season but not having to go through most of that chaos from the early part of the season. Absolutely. And as you know, there's always there was always chaos here. And I think some of that's going to change with Rivera. But with with um, Ken Zampese, you talk about the protection, the details. Was he more detailed with some of that stuff than other guys you had been around? Yeah, he was very, like, very, very detailed. And so, like, on third downs, I knew exactly where all the blisters were coming from. But like I said, when I was in Oakland, I had a really good career under Hugh. You know, Hugh and uh, Tom Cable did a okay, good yeah. job with that stuff as well. And uh, and Paul Hackett was my quarterback coach out there, and Paul did a great job of, of doing the same stuff. And then when I was in Washington, uh, you know, like when I was with Al Saunders, you know, right. things were really good because I was just coming into my own. And, uh, you know, and then Coach Gibbs, you know, had retired. And right. when he retired, you know, you know, you know, Coach Zorn came in, which, 
you know, Coach Zorn came in kind of in a crazy situation. You know, first he was hired as a quarterback coach, offense coordinator, and, you know, you usually don't hear of anybody getting a job before the head coach does. Right, right. Uh, so the head coach brings his own people. So that came that, – that was kind of tough because I remember at the time Jim Foster was supposed to be getting the job or Greg right. Williams was supposed to be moving up. And so I was talking to two, three different people, and, and like, okay, and it kept changing by the day. And then the next day, you know, he hired Jordan as quarterback coach. And then the next day, you know, he was a head coach. And, you know, so when he became a head coach, then it was scrambling trying to make sure he filled his roster with coaches right. and, and everything. So it was just – it was tough on him. It was tough on, you know, me as a quarterback and uh, and everything. The first year we fought through as much as we could. We almost started the season off 7-1. and one. We were 6-2 right. and one. And that was – you know, just a testament to all the guys just fighting through all the stuff that was going on, but everything was happening so fast. And then the next year, we lost a whole bunch of our offensive linemen early in the year, and everything That's just right. kind of went downhill. But we fought our butts off that year. I remember we was in a lot of games. and uh, But well, it was know, just tough. That was also the bingo play caller year that second year. That must have been crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Like, I never heard of such, um, you know, a guy that was, you know, retired and, you know, playing bingo, you know, and Coach Sherman, you know, Coach Sherman Williams, and uh, it wasn't his fault. Like, he called me no. and got there. He was like, man, I feel so sorry for you. Like, like he's like, this doesn't happen in the National Football League. He was like, you're a good quarterback, and you're not having the opportunity to showcase your real skills and and, and work this team the way that it should be. And it was frustrating, but I tried not to make any excuses. I just try to push through it and be as professional as I possibly could. And then I ended up getting traded to Oakland. It was kind of like a breath of fresh air a little bit. You know, things went really well out there for me. And I was having a great career there. And ended up breaking my collarbone. And then all the world breaks loose again. So it's just a fortunate thing. I've learned that anytime you get an opportunity to play that position in the National Football League, don't ever take it for granted. Because whether you're doing good or whatever, you know, you're always one injury away from, from – you know, things turning up. And uh, if I can tell Haskins anything is, man, enjoy the process. You know, the good, the bad, just enjoy the process because when it's all over and done, you're going to look back on those days and, uh, and you're going to ask yourself, did I enjoy the process? Did I have enough fun? Or did I take it too serious to a point that I couldn't enjoy because I was so worried about everything else that was happening around me instead of just focusing on – what an opportunity it is to play in the National Football League and just do the best you can. Do you ever look back, though, because you had such a weird start to your career because, you know, you, you had – I think it was your first year they didn't they – were, you were behind Brunel and Ramsey, but then there's a new coordinator in your second year, and then there's a new coordinator, I think, in your fourth year, and then, then you have Zorn. Do you ever wonder, like, what if you had gotten into a stable situation where your career might have gone? Oh, yeah, all the time because uh... – you know, even when I, even when all that chaos going on in Washington, my numbers went up every year. Yeah. Uh, and that was with everything that was going on and having to learn new offense pretty much every year. My numbers still kept improving, improving, even with all the injuries. Reporters missing like eight games one year. Right. Santana missed some games. And, you know, we just kept rolling. And uh, and everything was going up and up. And, uh, and then when I go to Oakland, I'm in the same system for two years and things go up there, you know, games they haven't won before we was winning. We hadn't lost a division game through all my starts when I was there, uh, those year and a half before I got hurt. So the same thing there numbers were going up, everything's going up. We was winning and, uh, pretty much, you know, grabbing hold of the AFC at that time. We beat the Chargers three times in a row and, uh, and everything. And then next thing you know, 
I get hurt, and then Al Davis had passed the week before, and right. Hugh Jackson makes that trade for Carson Palmer, and it just kind of messed up my whole career, you know, because I always sit at home and think about the what if, and you yeah. know, I know you're not supposed to live that way, but I don't know how you don't. Uh, it's hard not to think that way when things if things were going bad and unraveling. Okay, I get it, but for me, things were going really well. Like that year, my I was in top ten of all numbers when I got hurt. I know, and that's why I asked that. How hard is it? Because, like, again, Dwayne is going to have to learn a new offense in his second year. So he learned one last year, learned another one this year. How hard is it for a young quarterback to have to learn a new offense that fast? Another second uh, it's, offense. It's, well, for me, I was used to it from college. Right, well, I <laughs> you uh, every year. I had one every year in Auburn um, when I was in college. And, uh, you know, like I said, Petrino was a really good one. This thing, you know, he got a head coaching job. <laughs> so, right. then, so every time things started to go up, I either got leave for a head coaching job or things changed. But at the same time, I always try to piece together anything I learned from the year before or a year before that when I'm learning new plays and try to figure out what's the similarities. And sometimes the verbiage can be really different, but how can I make it simple on myself? And I would sit down and just kind of game plan and study that stuff that way where I have comparisons. And then it, and then once I got to a play where I can get a hold of the playbook, you know, you're trying to get yourself to that first phase before you get the mini camp. And now the mini right. camp, you're trying to get to that second phase. Then you pretty much play the season in that second phase. And then once the season is over, you can go back, study the film, break down all the plays that you did wrong, what you did right, how can you improve. And that's how you grow from within the system because you can go back and watch something that you did wrong so you can correct it for the right. next season. But when you're changing offenses, you can't do that. Like, you can go back and watch yourself, but then you're running a totally different offense or a different style system with a different coach with a different mentality. And it's like, okay, so I almost got to erase everything I did the year before, but at the same time try to gravitate some of the things to apply to the next year. And uh, and for him, is he's – it's better for him now because he only had a small taste of that this year, so right. he'll be heading to a full starting year under one system moving forward. You know this all because, like you said, you played in this in the Norv's system and this at Coriel system. Uh-huh. How how is it how is it to pick it up? Because I know like he was in the West Coast, and I believe you played in some of those too, right? Right, right. Yeah, I played in some West Coast systems. I played in the uh, the number system, like I said, the Don Coriel system. Um, like I said, like it's a good system for him. Like the reason the running back at uh, McCaffrey has so many catches out of the backfield. If you think about all Nor everywhere North Turner has been running backs have been a huge part of his offense catching right. the ball out of the backfield. And uh, it didn't matter if he was in San Diego, it didn't matter if he was, you know, he was in Washington and when he was um, Minnesota, like Cleveland, like all the running backs that played for him caught so many balls out of the backfield. Right. And he's all about creating matchups. And uh, if you're a running back and you like to catch the ball out of the backfield as, as well as you like to run it, then you, your hair should jump up off your skin because that's what's about to happen. Yeah. You know, you're about to be, get very involved in the passing game. And that helps the, that helps um, bring those linebackers up and everything. And that's how you hit those deep end cuts that Noah loves to throw, right. those deep end cuts. And he likes to throw the ball vertical. Um, 
and everything, hit those deep seven routes, those corner routes, because you can get a guy behind because the linebackers have to come up and respect the back coming out of the backfield. With, in terms of the verbiage, they always talk about, like, when I talk to people, they say the, maybe the hardest system to pick up for quarterbacks, especially a young one, is that West Coast system. Is this Yeah, one- the West Coast. Yeah, I can agree with that. Because the West Coast is like, so you almost got two full sentences before you, you know, break the right. hole. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and, uh, and uh, I remember one time during my career, Zorn, the first couple of games of the year, in 2000 and uh, might have been 2008 or 2009, I remember him saying, hey, I'm only going to give you half the play. <laughs> and you got to know it, memorize the rest of it. So in the game, when you see a certain personnel come in, you automatically got to know, like, what's the rest of that play. And all the other coaches was like, what? Like, the game is already hard enough. You going to put that on him? <laughs> like to do that too with a new yeah. system. It's not like he's been in the system's arm for all these years, like Hasselback. <laughs> you know, he like, right. you know, it's his first year in the system. And he tried it the first game. And I was just like, bro, like, nah, we can't do this. And he was <laughs> playing the Giants. I was just like, I like, dude, like, help help me out a little bit. Like, and the coaches even told him, Sherman, Sherman Smith told him, and, and Chris Mike, they both told him, like, Zorn, you can't do that. You know, and uh, they like, we coach it. We have a hard time just even doing it. It's our first four years. So he ended up stopped doing that. And the next thing you know, he kind of went on a run there. Yeah. Right in through the picks for like eight games. And right. we started winning and everything. And, uh, so, you know, like I said, for for Haskins, it's, it's ide- like he should be happy that he's getting a coach like Rivera with experience. Like nothing against Coach Zorn. Coach Zorn was – he was a fun person. He was, uh, you know, a good person. But he came in a tough situation. And he didn't have a lot of control at the same time either because he was trying to prove himself and then uh, – and everything. So – but with Rivera, there's no proving. You know right. what I'm saying? Like he's already proven. So he's coming in there – with respect where teammates gonna look at him and ultimately when he comes into the room they gonna they instantly gonna buy in because of what he's already done and then he's a couple of years removed from playing and from coaching in a Super Bowl. And so and then he was a great NFL player himself on the eighty five Bears team. <laughs> so yeah, he already he's won a lot of times. Right. So he already got the experience. He already got the attention of the of the players. So you know it's a good situation. And like I said, every 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 quarterback's best friend is a great defense. And, you know, he's going to have that. And next thing is, if I'm a tight end and I'm in that offense, I'm jumping. I, I'm still getting super excited because, you know, that offense throws the ball to the tight end just as much as they throw the ball to the running back. And if you look up, sometimes the running back probably had the second most catches on the team. Right. And there are some years a tight end may have the most catches or the second most catches on the team. And, um, you know, I played with Jordan Cameron in that system, and Jordan lit it up that year. That's right. And he ended up going to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> you know, it's like so because the so the ball come to him so many times. Is it is it easier in terms of the verbiage you talk about? How long the West Coast? How much easier is this offense to learn then? Oh, it's a lot easier to learn uh, for us the verbiage because it's more of a number system. Um, okay. You know, like you still have some long sentences in there a little bit, but not as much. You know, you may. Say like, hey, seven eighty-seven wide drag, you know, something like that, and you know, the seven still the outside receivers what to do, the eight tell the inside receiver right. the slot or the tight end what to do, and then you pretty much tell the back what to do, you know, like H rub or something or, you know, H swing something like that. So you pretty much tell them the back what to do on every play, 
So it's not as long as the West Coast system, but you can get in and out of the huddle a little bit faster in this system. And then with one, I'll just two, two more minutes here. And Jason, I appreciate your time. Is it tougher? You you know what this atmosphere is like in Washington and being the quarterback mm-hmm. of the Redskins and what Dwayne probably dealt with. Is it tougher for any and for some reason to play quarterback in this city? Um, I would say it's a great city. Put it away, it's a great city to play football in. Right. I say that because you know the Redskins fan base and everything. Um, they're just thirsty for, for wins. And when I was there in 05, we went to the playoffs. And in 07, we went to the playoffs. And that was the first year I was actually leading our team to the playoffs right. in 07. And uh, I got hurt, I think it was eight and six at the time. But, um, you know, so – but you can feel the energy and the excitement. Like, it's totally different than the way it is now. You know, now, you know, I've been up there a couple of times. And, you know, people, you say risk, and they go, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they don't really want to hear it because, you know, the product that they've been seeing of late and everything. But, you know, when I was up there, like I said, we still had some runs in us and everything. And, uh, you know, it still was respected around the league for the most part. But I think first and foremost, if Coach Rivera can can get the fan base to start back buying in and start back trusting in the process and uh, they can start back getting off to a fast start, and getting that fan base back because it's hard when you look up in the stands and you see an opponent team have more fans than you yeah. do in your own stadium. Like, that's a hard pill for any player to, to look at and swallow. And that happened one time when I was playing in Washington. That was the Monday night game against the Steelers. Oh, God. I yeah. remember that one, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, dude, we six and two. And yeah. I was just like – and you know what I'm saying? We winning. And I was just like, yeah. they got way more fans in the stands than we do. That was, that you was know, crazy. Like, no, I remember yeah. that. I'm on offense, and I feel like I'm in an opponent's stadium. I'm having to do a silent count at home. And I couldn't even use my voice recognition to help draw them off the sides or to help them show their defense before the snap so I could switch something because it felt like a road game for me. So, and, and, and everything. And then two years ago, I came back up for a Redskins-Cowboys game. And it was kind of raining that game, but it was way more Cowboy fans than Redskin fans there. And I was just like, wow, that's shocking. Like, you know, I like, man, so people just either selling their tickets away or they just not buying because they're not excited about what they've been seeing, you know, with all the stuff going on within the organization. So hopefully, you know, you know, Dan has, uh, you know, got the right guy. And, you know, he's, he's – I've heard he's changing a whole bunch of things. He pretty much starting from scratch. Yes, he um, is. It's a different organization. Yeah, so he's pretty much starting from scratch. So, you know, sometimes when you when you decide to make a change, you, you have to get rid of everything. And uh, it seems like that's what he's doing. And he's trying to start over and see if he can get the fan base back because I think he feels the pressure that he's lost a lot of the fan base of the Redskins. And the Redskins was one of the biggest fan bases I can remember because no matter where I went in the offseason, I can be in another country or something there as a Redskins fan. Hey, Redskins, you know, and everything. But, you know, playing with the Raiders was a huge fan base and, uh, and everything. So I was fortunate to play for some huge fan bases. But like you say, though, like, when we was winning in Oakland, man, they got fun. And yeah. uh, at times when we went into Washington, it was fun. But at the time when you were losing to Washington, it wasn't so fun because you were one of the most publicized teams in the NFL because you were one of the top three biggest markets yep. in the NFL. So it's you know, a good, you bad, bad. All right, it's good and bad. And, and last thing, Jason, I am curious if you have had a, if you had a chance to watch Dwayne at all this year, 
and what you think of him as a quarterback. I had a chance to watch him a little bit. Uh, honestly, I didn't, I didn't watch a whole lot okay. um, this year. I was doing some radio stuff with Auburn and stuff, and then uh, so sometimes I was just busy at the time and coaching high school football a little bit too. Um, but from the times that I saw of him, though, like he does have a strong arm. You know, he does have a strong arm. Uh, I think the one thing I saw was when I think he ran a locker room thing and the game was over with. It's a selfie, <laughs> uh, yeah. He had to take a selfie. So, like I said, I think that just shows you that, you know, he was young and, and everything. <laughs> and you know, I'm pretty sure he's learned from that now. And he's looking forward to, you know, to the upcoming season and have a full offseason knowing you're a starter. You know, that's a difference between coming in, in the middle of the season but then going through the whole offseason, preparing with the starters, getting all those reps, getting all those, the language and everything, it's it's a major difference between just coming off the bench in the middle of the season. Yep. So it was good for him to get his feet wet, like I said before, but at the same time, to have a whole offseason and knowing, like, this is your team, it's a totally different ball game. Hey, you said you're coaching football down there? Yeah, I helped coach high school this year, and, uh, and we, we had a really good season. We finished 11-2. and two. But uh, we got past this one game. We went to state. We lost okay. with a minute to go in the game. We was up 24-21 with a minute left. And then uh, we ended up losing 28-24. But um, he has played hard. My nephew was a senior. He's a 6'5 receiver. So Is he we'll going see, anywhere? He yeah, he got some scholarship offers. So he's taking his visits in January. So uh, we'll see who he signed with in February. Well, at least you, at least you won the Iron Bowl this year. Yeah, we won the Iron Bowl. But then we didn't do so well in the Outback Bowl. Yeah, so I'm just – yeah, so, you know, we knocked out Alabama from the playoff system and everything, which I'm pretty sure everybody wish Alabama probably was playing LSU still because it would have been a better game. But um, at the same time, though, Auburn got some good guys in the, on, on their team that's coming out this year. So, yeah. you know, that defensive lineman, Derrick Brown, you know, he's a top five draft pick. You know, that guy's big, he can move, he can yeah. play. So, I'm pretty sure, you know, he'll be having some business to Washington. You know, as well. So even if Washington took him or if they took Chase Young, you can't lose. You no, know, they'll uh, be in a good spot. Yeah, be in a good spot. Jason, listen, I appreciate your time. Love catching up with you. And I loved your insight. And I know people who are listening to this are going to learn about a lot about what the Redskins fans can expect from this new setup here. So thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, appreciate it. No problem. Y'all have a good one. After this break, I'll be back with a few of my thoughts on Dwayne Haskins, Kevin O'Connell, and that paranoia at Redskins Park. I talked about this in the last podcast, but it keeps coming up, so let's kind of go over it again. Dwayne Haskins is not guaranteed anything, and that's just fine with me. Ron Rivera had multiple chances to say Haskins is his guy moving forward, but all he offered was the right thing. Praise for his talent, but a desire to see what transpires in the offseason. He, like everyone else in the organization, wants to see the next steps that Haskins takes. That's okay. While Haskins improved, he didn't really do enough for anyone to say, oh, absolutely we have our guy for the next 10 years. That's fine. They don't have to be at that point right now. They've always called this a process, so let's see, how it, let's see how it shakes out. Really, this is up to Haskins. Everybody I talked to over there says the same thing. He has a talent. But as one player told me one time, what does that mean? He has a good arm? 
Well, QBs wouldn't be in the NFL if they couldn't make the throws, so it does take more. And Rivera spelled out some of what he wants to see from Haskins, starting with leadership. Others simply want to see what sort of work he puts in. We'll truly find out in the spring and summer the work that he's done over the winter. I think he's going to be working, you know, to what degree, who knows, but it's the kid's not lazy, so let's dispel that. It's just more about, it's always, always, always been about working at an NFL level. And he's done enough to get to this NFL part. Now he's got to work at a certain level to not just stay here. He's going to be here for a little bit, but to succeed the way that he has said he wants to. So I have no idea where this is going because I don't even think the Redskins know. I can see a few different scenarios, including having a veteran open the season as a starter as they continue to get Haskins ready. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility by any means. The good news for Haskins is that this head coach will be more concerned with his growth than I think the past one was. That matters. But I also don't think that Rivera will start Haskins no matter what. Nor do I think owner Dan Snyder told him, you can make any move you want, including getting rid of trusted people who have been with me for nearly two decades, but you have to start Haskins day one. I don't think that's how it's working right now. People in the building know how desperate Snyder is and the power that he's given to Rivera. That power will manifest itself in every decision. But I'm okay with what he said about Haskins. Listen, there's been too much entitlement here over the years. If Haskins ends up starting, it's because he earned it and because they see the potential long term. If that's the case, there will be a tremendous benefit. And that's exactly what you should want. Do not write the kid off by any means. I think he, he had a good finish. He needs to build on it. Let's see where it goes. Number two, I do think that Haskins will miss Kevin O'Connell simply because of how much work he put in with him over the last month and a half of the season. There was definitely a difference after Jay Gruden was fired. I will always maintain that Haskins did himself no favors early on, but he also didn't get enough help early on. It wasn't about the reps and all that, getting a few reps in practice. That wasn't going to make the difference. It was everything away from there. And, I, and you know, he was put in a tough spot, and the coaching staff, I think, made it tougher, and I believe it affected him. I think it would have affected a lot of people. Maybe not some, but it definitely seemed to affect him. He still could have done more to help himself, but I think that's why you started to see growth in him later in the season. Now he just needs it to continue. O'Connell was key to some of the, to that growth. That's not to say all is now, now lost, and it's not to say it was all about O'Connell either. Haskins was putting in the work. If I'm going to sit there and say that it's not about the coach, it's about the kid, well, the kid was doing it, and he started to see the benefits. I think O'Connell was more nurturing in that regard, and I think that's what Haskins need. Not, not to baby him, but to help him go along the way. Um, I don't know what Scott Turner will be like as an offense coordinator. I do know he has excellent pedigree. I also know that Ken Zampezi is absolutely a good quarterback's coach, and that if indeed when that thing is finalized, that's going to help Haskins, as you heard Campbell talk about. I think he's the biggest key in this equation. I think O'Connell has a bright future. I didn't view him in the same light as Sean McVay or even Kyle Shanahan, but those two were extraordinary and you knew it all along, despite whatever the fan perception was at the time, and not just fan perception, some media perception. You heard it from players. I did hear good things about O'Connell from players. I remember Lewis Riddick telling me on the podcast, I think it was in June, that if he got back in the league, he was told that O'Connell should be on his list of coaches to watch. Well, we'll see. I do think O'Connell would have stayed if he'd had more say in, in who he could hire for his staff. But is this a death blow? No. There are enough good coaches in this league, and I think, I think the Redskins could end up with a good situation. 
if um, with Zampezi as that quarterback's coach, because again, he's the one who's going to be working with Haskins more closely. That's why I keep going back to him. That, that's a big deal to me. Next one. I don't recall a ton from Scott Turner when he was around the Redskins while his dad was coaching. I did see the interview he did with Larry Michael on Redskins.com recently, and already I can tell you this. He seems like a better communicator than his dad. One of the hardest parts of the job when North Turner was a coach was transcribing his press conferences, especially on Monday. It'd be like a half hour. He'd start and stop sentences three to four times. They were painful to transcribe. I remember talking about this with a player one time, and he told me, if you guys think that, what do you think we think? And I always felt like that was a part of the problem here. One of the parts. I don't, you know. But I also know that Norv was a tremendous and is a tremendous offensive mind. I remember also how much he invested in his kids. When his son was a freshman football player at Oakton High School, he had his first practice at 7 a.m. the day after the Redskins broke camp. Back then, they were in Frostburg. Camp was a lot tougher and longer. Coaches had long, long days. Turner got home real night, real late the night they broke camp, yet he was there at 7 a.m. with his son for his first practice. He also made it a habit to attend his games every Friday night. Turner would start his day earlier on those days just to make sure he could leave earlier. He got the same number of hours of work in, but he was able to, he was able to leave at a different time because he was getting in earlier, but he did that so he could make Scott Turner's games. And I also recall when Scott Turner was a freshman at Oakton, hearing from his high school coach, whom I've known for a long time, that he would occasionally suggest plays during the varsity games. And they listened to him because he was smart and those plays worked. He was always better as a coach, I think, than, as he, was, than he was as a player. In fact, he was benched late in his senior year. And one of the things I remember the coach telling me is that how North Turner, while he may have disagreed with some of that stuff, didn't really fight him on it. He did. There were a couple things that he, he stated to him, but it wasn't like he was um, being a jerk dad or, or some whatever. So anyways, just thought I'd share that. Now, finally, it remains a weird time at Redskins Park as they transition into a very different organization. There's a lot of paranoia in the building with people worried about their own futures. That's the way it goes. But also, whenever any information gets out, there's concern that the higher higher-ups will think it came from that person who is ever named. Dan Snyder is intent on plugging all the leaks and definitely starts trying to find out where things are coming from once information gets out, unless, of course, he's the one putting it out. And I don't know. I'm not saying he is or isn't, but he knows what he's putting out, if anything. Problem is, half the stuff that's come out has been incorrect, or at least kind of only half correct, even when it appears to be coming from someone with an ultra-close connection. But there is concern that when information is reported, that it will lead back to the name involved in the story. In most and perhaps all cases, that's probably not where the info is coming from, but it still leads to paranoia. Leaks come from all over, and you can, can't prevent all of them. It's just the way it is in this league. It's not just the Redskins who have this. Pretty much every team has them. Sometimes those leaks are designed and, and, and come out for a reason. It could be the people in charge who don't like all the other leaks are okay with some of this information coming out. Um, regardless, the Redskins are wise to take the one-voice approach. It will cut down on how much gets out and what the players then have to deal with. And I think that is a good thing. Well, that's it for this week. I appreciate Jason Campbell joining me. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was good catching up with him. And I thought he shared some terrific insight. And as always, I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.